Welcome to the second Bee Check chat, where I get to have a relaxed conversation with one of the most interesting and talented creators and builders in the NFT slash Web3 space. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by OSF, who is very difficult to categorize due to his success in various avenues in this space. But today, we'll speak primarily about his work as an artist, project founder, and how he sees things moving forward in this market. OSF, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Are you comfortable in the position that you have taken up to record this podcast? Uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks a lot for having me, Vichek. Uh, I think I've finally found a comfortable position. Um, you know, I speak on, we do a rug radio show five days of the week, and you would think I had a good mic set up, <laughs> everything set up well, but Amazingly, I don't. So right now I'm just sitting on the floor beside a bed with this mic propped up to, to get the perfect sound. So I hope it's all loud and clear. It, I think it's fine now. Yeah. But please tell me this is not your regular position. Do you have another position that you take up when you're doing the, the daily show? <laughs> yeah. So the, for the daily show, you know, I usually have my AirPods on. Um, I like to go for a walk or something while I do it. Or um, I don't know, like I'll do it in... Uh, um in the living room uh or something like that but yeah i'm usually not sat on the floor um in the bedroom when, when i do it so this is a this is a one-off special for the for the b check show great love the love the commitment to the audio experience thank you very much um so at the moment you i guess you don't have a spe- specific routine right like you you're doing the daily show but you you're quite free to go off and about and do various things. What's your, what's a day in the life like at the moment of OSF? Yeah. Um, it, it pretty much varies. I think I would say, cause you know, I'm based in London now and a lot of the, um, a lot of the stuff that happens is us hours. So when I wake up, there's not really a lot going on. It's a good opportunity for me. I, I, I like to go work out. So I just go do like Barry's boot camp or, go box or something like that and then um i'll get back i'll spend some time reading through what's happened in the market and nfts and crypto um you know write it up i do a morning summary every day for, for our djs group write it all up and um by the time i'm done with that i think new york starts getting it <laughs> i'm speaking like i'm still a trader at <laughs> for. But by the time i'm done that the, the u.s starts getting in um and, you know, there's a bit more to get through, a bit more news to get through. And I don't know, the, the time just, I, there's always something I'm working on. There's always two or three things that I'm working on at the same time. And the time just goes by so quickly. And before I know it, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, my time, when, which is when we start the Rug Radio show. And that usually takes up about a couple of hours. So, um, yeah, that, that in between from like um, midday till 3.30 is just usually work and all the all the various different things i'm involved in um but it's yeah it's definitely been a lot recently yeah we're a little bit lost here aren't we in those morning hours because things don't really kick off until later for the broader market do you quite enjoy that time and also the similarity to how for the people who don't know you were you were a trader previously do you like that similarity do you lean into it do you think that's been helpful to you yeah, I do. I I definitely like the time in the morning where it's quiet because it gives me an opportunity to do things that I don't get done when it's busy. Um, and when it's busy, it's like, you know, I'm not so much involved in like 
the DJ and trading and flipping NFTs and all that kind of stuff any, anymore. Like that, that definitely used to take up a lot of time. So I'm less involved in that, but a lot of it is like phone calls, conversations, and um, it's pretty much all with people in, in the US. So the rest of my day gets eaten up by that. So that, that morning period is really nice just to be able to collect my thoughts, figure out what I'm going to do for the day, um, you know, get some stuff done that doesn't involve uh, speaking to other people, whether it's, you know, stuff with DJs, the, um, the uh, NFT resources platform we've been working on, or whether it's my own artwork. It's just a good time that I had to myself every morning that, that I quite enjoy before it gets busy. But yeah, it's kind of like, it is kind of like, there are a lot of similarities with that. And when I used to be a trader, I think when I was in London, the mornings were always quiet. Like we get into, you'd get into work in, at 6.30 or 7 a.m. And you'd really have, I guess, two or three hours before the market started picking up. So it was a good time to do things yourself. I spent three years in New York um, as a trader as well. And that was very different. It was like the mornings were super busy. There was a lot going on. But by the time you got to about four o'clock, it got very quiet because the the equity markets closed. And, you know, I always had a good couple of hours to myself to do stuff. And um, I just, yeah, I guess the, the, the day just revolves in a, in a, in a different pattern when you're, when you're the other side of the pond. Yeah, definitely. So this, this, um, the you know the morning update that you write you still write that completely yourself right yeah i write it all myself it's um again to draw that parallel with my old job i used to do that every morning for almost 10 years um just without the nft I... section <laughs> yeah just without the nft section but it would just be like i mean right right now i spend a whole section writing about macro you know the macro economy or or traditional markets I didn't spend a lot of time writing about that when I used to be a trader because that was just common knowledge for, for, pe- for most people. And I spent more time being like, hey, like talking about the sectors that I traded or the specific um, companies that I traded. And um, I found it useful for me to collate all my thoughts and write them down. And it helped me um, just section things out in my own head. And I think uh, I was able to put it in a format that was quite digestible, easy to read and had good content. And um, you know, I think our clients used to find that very helpful so i just did the same thing for nfts you know it's like it's a very similar style of um you know of workflow and people looking for similar um presentations of information so i just started doing the same thing where i'll write a section on traditional markets i'll write a section on crypto then i'll write a section on nfts and yeah i write it all myself but it's something that i've also been had been doing for about 10 years and it's just the content of it is now um, slightly different yeah, it's really, really good. If anyone hasn't uh, come across it yet, that is something which I find really helpful. And I think for people, for you, it might seem really natural. And as you said, maybe you don't include the macroeconomic stuff or you didn't do that before because that was more common knowledge. But for people who have come into this space without that knowledge and pure kind of trading the assets, that background contextual stuff is super helpful. Um, how... How much do you think, because I know some, like no one ultimately knows, and I was recording with Legendary yesterday on, our, on my separate weekly show, just talking about the macroeconomic worries in general. Are you super worried? I was like, I don't know, I had this thesis yesterday, which I think I've already changed my mind on, that it might be the case that because some of these, some of these assets have become so costly already, it, it, it might be reasonable to assume that people should be unaffected by a downturn because 
they've become sort a sort of good that operates outside of the normal world like they're already so damn expensive that you shouldn't be holding them if you can't afford to lose them i don't know if that's true but it's so in some respect i was wondering is it potentially uncorrelated with the rest of the market if you know if there's a downturn maybe these things these digital new digital assets will be safe what do you think in general at the moment on that yeah like that's a really good question i think um the problem is that nfts they're kind of like a hybrid between something that trades like a high risk class financial product versus a collectible and now collectibles like traditional art wine um everything else in that bucket they're something that are usually very recession proof they perform well in inflationary environments and um it's mainly collected by high net worth individuals you know the people never really sell them off very often so the traditional collectibles market is something that would perform well extremely well in the environment we're seeing right now which is high inflation stagflation concerns um and uh, uh recession looming but now the on the other side nfts while you have that collectibles angle and you definitely have the high net worth part of the um buyer base buying you know the, the really expensive stuff you also have like the retail trader crowd you know like the robin hood crowd and um people in it to flip nfts and try and make a quick buck and it kind of you have the angle of it which actually it trades also like penny stocks which is obviously the other end of the risk bucket and that part of the market is something that would really struggle um in a recession and really struggle really get hit hard by high interest rates and so it's kind of like this battle between those two things which are um which are characteristics that would make them react very differently in, in the environment we're seeing right now and on top of that you have the idea of this is actually revolutionary technology it's a new b2c model um it's um you know a new way of understanding ownership digital ownership it's a new way of forming communities so you have all these things which are kind of revolutionary and different and game-changing which you know is a is a recession in real terms enough to to break down that market so um look i think the nft market is very huge there are different angles of, there are different aspects of that market now as well like you can buy a really expensive x copy one and one and look that's probably never going to go below a certain price for for ever or you can buy um i don't know like a random profile picture project which doesn't offer you that much other than a bit of hype and a bit of mania and that could go down a lot so i think um it's hard to categorize the i'm not i never look at it in, in terms of like the whole nft market is going lower or the whole nft market is going higher i think um or the whole nft market will be affected i think you have to bucket it into different um into different risk categories and yes like the 90 or 95 percent of stuff out there which is just like um which is like the penny stock part of the market i think that could all really get hit hard and, and struggle because there's also just infinite supply in that part of the market but in the higher end things whether it's buying into like prominent web3 brands or um rare and coveted one-on-one art i think that stuff will be very well insulated yeah interesting i think yeah so there's there's definitely more than one category right um would you say would you say there's more than two categories are you thinking it thinking about it in terms of 
high-end stuff versus the rest almost or do you see there being more buckets at the moment or do you think we're not developed enough for there to be more buckets i think we're not fully developed um but i think it's becoming clear what the different buckets could be and i think one of them is art it's like one of one art or maybe additioned art which you are buying for the utility of owning the art from artists who are already big could potentially become big um Right now, you're displaying them in your um, in your online galleries. At some point, you'll be able to display them in your home seamlessly. And that, I think, is one part of the market, which is just like the traditional art market. The difference is that your your medium is an, is an NFT. I think you have another part of the market, which is really, I view as like VC-style investments into Web3 startups, because you have all these um nft projects and they're like okay cool we want to sell you ten thousand uh images and we're going to use the proceeds to buy a golf club or we're going to use the proceeds to buy a nightclub we're going to use the proceeds to create this brand or whatever so for them those creators it's actually a way of or, or create a game and for those creators it's a way of raising capital it's a way of raising funding to go and do and build what they want to do and as a collector you're actually really an investor like you buy an image, sure, and maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but um, you really, the reason why you're buying it is because you're basically contributing to some funding for that creator to, to go out there and build their project. And you will do well if they're successful at building that project. So it really is like, it's basically, in my view, a VC investment. I think it's a startup investment. The difference is it's way more liquid than rate traditional VC investing. Like there is basically an active trading market on that VC investment out there in the form of the NFT collections. And there's way more transparency because like there's, you know, whatever, if you have a 10,000 collection, you might have 5,000 unique holders and everyone's always asking questions. People are, um, creators are on this podium and people are watching very closely how they perform, whether how they're using the money, what they're delivering and, you have way more transparency and liquidity in making that investment um, via the NFT medium than you do if you're just, you know, wired over some ca- someone some cash um, for a traditional VC investment. So um, that I think is definitely one part of the market that the you're you're funding things. And then the other thing is you you have communities. It's just like people just like being parts of communities. You know, people spend a lot of time online and they find a community they they kind of vibe with and. Um, that's the, what they want to be a part of. So, um, and that doesn't probably doesn't even cover it. You know, there's so many different applications of NFTs, but um, that's kind of how I view like the, the, the three big parts of the market right now. That's interesting. You mentioned uh, on, on this point about NFTs being a type of funding. What do you think about, this is something I was thinking about the other day as well, because at one point, one of the reasons to be so excited about NFTs was, because we consider it to be culture it's like you got the opportunity to invest in culture almost directly which was really cool because i don't know how easy it was to do that previously or certainly to be able to trade culture but then what we're seeing potentially now is you sort of invest in the culture at the first point but then the brand into whom or the company into whom you invest then have grander plans to use that money obviously for something they've got to do something with the money to keep you engaged and keep you interested so there's there's culture built on top of the culture via other avenues and other drops and other things to keep you engaged but then you see 
companies thinking about maybe taking this and creating a new uh, social media platform, which I think maybe the Moonbird might be considering moving in that direction. Or, for example, uh, the Bored Apes, you know, they've got all this capital now to deploy into something useful. It's like, well, maybe they would be able to build their own chain and do all sorts of things there, have their own marketplace. And I wondered whether does that detract in anyone's minds from the investment in culture? Because suddenly the investment in culture becomes an investment in infrastructure. And I'm sure if people were told at the very beginning, yeah, what we're actually trying to build is a new chain or what we're trying to build is a marketplace. I mean, there's all sorts of marketplaces popping up all the time, aren't they? But people aren't necessarily interested in investing directly into them um, because it's a very different investment to the, the cultural investment, which people just think is cool. What do you think about this this way round of doing it? Yeah, I think um, I like the point that you mentioned about NFTs being a way to invest in culture. I think um, I think crypto had kind of let you do that a little bit, like Dogecoin, for example. Like that's, a, that's yeah. basically started out as a huge meme, and the technology of crypto allowed you to put money into it and invest in it, and it's kind of been able to like create a digital economy or, or monetize memes or monetize culture or monetize um, sentiment and that kind of stuff, you know, rather than having to go buy equities or whatever to, to express something like that. So then when you had NFTs and you have images attached to them, that's just like, it ended up being a better way to um, invest and trade and express um, and monetize culture and memes. And that's a huge part of all of this. Like, Meme culture is massive. Meme culture is something that we can all relate to, stuff we find funny. Um, it's lighthearted, you know, it doesn't feel taxing. And it really captures and, and encapsulates like the virality that you can get in social media or or the vir- vir- virality of culture, to be honest with you. So it's now amazing that you can actually just express that through buying an NFT, which kind of reflects the value of that meme or reflects the value of that culture and it will go up or down based on the sentiment of that culture and that's really cool because it i think it levels the playing field in terms of people coming in wanting to put their money somewhere and make some money because before it was like oh you have to be a finance expert to do well in trading stocks or you have to have this you know great education to go work for investment bank whatever whereas now it's like cool you understand and get memes you understand culture you can now actually bet on that if you like and and make money out of it if you're good and you don't need any education for that really you just need to like understand what's going on and understand vibes so i really like that aspect of it um uh, i think what you mentioned with with the board at yacht club is, is interesting because i think it felt like when that started out it was kind of like we're investing a bit of meme we're investing a bit of culture and i think the reason why a lot of people were quick to fade it was because they felt that that's all it was it was just like you had crypto punks which had you know it was the first profile picture project. It had history. It was already three years old. It was like, this could really be a, a, a historical digital artifact. And then, hey, here are some apes, which are basically the same thing, but the pictures of apes. It's just a meme. It's never really going to go anywhere. So um, what obviously then happened is they they converted that into, or maybe the, I'm sure that this is always the original plan, but they built and developed that into this huge web free brand, which is, and now you have all these different things with the metaverse um in real life stuff etc so now it's obviously huge i think no one really realized what their intentions were what they were planning on building and that's why it just kept going higher and higher and higher and i think that's an important point to mention i think um i'm really for 
just buying stuff because it's a meme and it going up because it's a meme and, and people complaining that this has this shouldn't have any value but i'm just like well <laughs> value is is governed determined by what people deem it to be and so i love it when people says, complain i love it yeah when people exactly complain. especially outsiders just like what, they get so annoyed at certain the more annoyed people are that something has value the more i enjoy it yeah my view on that is that it kind of like creates a synthetic short base in something like when someone's really short a stock or a bond um and there's a huge short base in it the cost of borrowing goes up a lot and you can get these crazy short squeezes where they end up getting bought what's called being bought in and having to buy back their stock that they borrowed to short and that's what happened with GameStop you know like everyone was just um it became so expensive to run that short they ended up having to buy out buy back in at like a really expensive price and I think people like trying to fade memes or people saying oh this has no value it kind of creates like and synthetic or effective short base because all these people are uh, upset because they don't have any money, they don't have any chips on it, they're underinvested. While everyone else around them is invested and making a lot of money. So like psychologically and emotionally that affects people and it eventually makes them just FOMO in at, at some crazy price. <laughs> and so I think it has the same dynamic. So for, for me, like if something starts going higher and everyone starts fudding it or fading it or whatever, that to me is like a really bullish sign. It means people don't, the more that people fud something that's doing well, and if there's no good reason to, I mean, if it's not a scam or anything, there's no good reason to do it. The the more it tells you that the market is underexposed and not invested or underweight, if you like, um, that particular thing. So that for me is actually a very good indicator of like, oh, I should buy this because no one else owns this. Yeah, one of my friends is because I sort of expressed this a very, very similar sentiment to one of my friends the other day. And he asked, like, so why why specifically is it the case that if, other people get annoyed like why why do you think that that's so positive and I don't know if I was able to properly explain explain why because I think it was more just like a competitive thing where I I just believed I was on the right side and the fact that other people were fading it meant that it I don't know it was sort of it's sort of enjoyable to me that, that that's the case that that's that they feel so negative about it and whereas I would be in position but how would you best articulate like why is it so good to you in your mind because i'm i think the same thing why is it so good when you get those indicators that uh, people are upset the people who are not involved are upset and they're getting more and more annoyed about it what how would you explain that why is it so good it just means that um thing like prices move based on buyers and sellers it also moves based on positioning and if you have someone who is trading or investing in the NFT market, they're like, okay, cool. I might own a bunch of apes and doodles, but I don't have any Azuki. And so let's say um, uh, that's the case for 75% of people. They have a lot of apes, they have a lot of doodles, but they don't have any Azuki. And now let's say um, Azuki starts going higher and because everyone's complaining because it's not their position, that's just human nature to complain when when you're not doing well. Um everyone starts complaining that's like okay in our position where this thing is doing really well because 75 percent of the market doesn't own it and they're all complaining so now if some of that 75 percent starts getting converted to like oh i'm just gonna have to phone into this because i need to own it and it's going higher and i don't own any of it um that just means like the weighting could go from maybe like 75 percent don't own 25 percent do own to like 50 50 so you know like you know 
more people there's a larger amount of potential buyers who are going to feel like they want to buy it because they don't already have it uh, and it's this idea of positioning and crowded positioning and you know if everyone owns the same thing then it's never really going to go higher because everyone just has the same position you need new buyers to step in for it to go higher but within an existing marketplace if um you know if something starts doing well that nobody nobody already owns and no one has exposure to they're all going to want to buy it and that's going to create uh, a much bigger um upwards price increase i think um i think that's the best best way i can explain it that's cool i think this that kind of thinking about positioning is quite helpful um so you mentioned all these different buckets that we've got now like all sorts of things what buckets would you put yourself in now because you've obviously had i think been in space for a bit more than a year i think you you and mando joined just before me and you started as one thing and you've done a lot in this year so how do you even think about yourself now in this space um yeah that's a good question i don't i think when we started out it was just like you know we were flipping nfts basically we were just trading them around having fun then yeah just having fun we never really thought we would do we would do this full time um you know then we started um trying to find things that would have longer term value because we believe more in the space and um that ended up being one of one art pieces which we think are um like a much slower burner it's the sort of part of the market i think will be very valuable in five ten years plus i think you need a bit more of a traditional um collector onboarding there but um you know ultimately that stuff will end up being very historical um given the, the vintage of it just um uh, just by definition and then I think the other thing for us was like, yeah, like it was like the VC style of um, of thought process was like, okay, we're going to buy this and this NFT is going to kind of act like our token within this ecosystem that will give us um, benefits for it becoming big as a, as a brand, et cetera. And obviously um, uh, the apes were a big winner for us there. Um, but, you know, as, as time has gone on, we've like, we spent less time buying or trading NFTs um, just because of the time consumption there, we've, we've spent more time on the creation side. And um, last year we tried our hand at creating a profile picture project. It's called DGENs. It flopped dramatically because we just, we weren't like, we're not really, um, uh, how do I put it? We're not really, cr- we're not really creators of IP. Like we didn't really understand the game then or what, what you had to do to make something successful. And, you know, back then you had, we launched at the same time as Cool Cats and Cool Cats did really well at creating a brand, creating IP, um, giving back to the community and all those kinds of things. I think we just didn't understand those things then. We didn't under, fully understand those concepts and um, we tried a few funky things which didn't go out very well, didn't work out very well. So I think we just didn't really get how to do it and the whole thing flopped. It went to zero. Um, uh, we tried to re re reignite it once again it worked for a little bit and went to zero and you know we were going down the lines of let's make this a comic book let's make this brand and we just realized like that's not really what we're good at and so why don't we just apply it to something that we are good at which is you know Mando and I have both been traders for a long time um we're good risk takers we understand the NFT market we understand the crypto market so why don't we just make an extension of what we're doing and just like um you know not necessarily make it an alpha group where we're like, hey, you guys should buy this, it's going to go up because I think that has negative connotations and, you know, 
a lot of alpha groups are really just the creators dumping on on the participants um yeah they're more like hey this is how we're thinking about this project this is how we're thinking about the nft market this is how we think about crypto here are our thoughts here's how to think about things and then you guys go and use this information to make your own decisions and we started doing that this year just as a small thing to just revive the project and and at least give the holders some value to owning it because we were we were very much like we don't want to just rug this thing or walk away from it because we had genuine intentions but we need to now show people that we have um intentions to to add some value so we started out by doing that we never really thought um the price would go up but at least people would get some value from holding it and you know it just i think we just presented information in a in a way that was um uh like objective neutral not pumping our own bags and that kind of stuff and i think people appreciated that and since then it's grown quite a lot and then to be honest we saw an opportunity like let's you know let's make this bigger let's start writing reports on nft projects let's put out more commentary i think we have um we have some more plans uh that we'll be launching we're going to relaunch the whole project actually and um we have some more things coming up that will uh that will come to fruition in the next few weeks and it turned out like it's actually uh, we think it's actually a really big opportunity because there is like there is a space for people to learn there is a requirement for education and there's a big requirement for doing it from people who are trustworthy who are not pushing agendas and um who have a genuine intention to help and um to be honest with you that's us like we don't need to pump bags or you know push agendas or anything like that we're not we don't need to do that financially that's not the kind of people we are um you have to also remember that like, we've spent 10 years in an investment bank- banking background which is filled with regulation and code of conduct and ethics and so we come from that background and those principles are natural to us and i think that's something that the crypto space and nft space lacks so I think that's been our USP. I think people have realized that in the content we put out, like we'll, we'll write a report and I'll be like, Hey, look, I really like this thing, but here are 20 different reasons as to why I like it. Here's all the analysis that I've done. And this is my thought process. And I'm not saying you should buy this because I think it's going to 20 ETH, but I'm saying this is what I think. And this is why I bought it, but it's a bit more in depth and detail than just like the Twitter threads you see, which are, you know, don't have much detail. And we put it in, in a written report format. And I think there's a requirement for that. And it's, I think what we write is, is like, is relatively objective and we disclose all our holdings every time we do it. And I think we write reports on projects where like 80% of them, we don't even own the NFTs and we're just, we're just giving like an unbiased view of things. But the idea is that you come onto that platform, you can speak to us on the discord, you can speak to other people in the community, you can read the daily updates, you can read the long form reports. And it just gives you like a little hub to um, take in a lot of information, take in a lot of resources, and then go away and make your own decision. Like, if you join DGENs, we're not, you're not going to be like, okay, cool, like, all the DGENs are buying this, um, now I'm going to buy it and I might make some money on it. Or, hey, OSF is saying everyone buy Cool Cats, like, it's going to go up. That's not what you're going to get. But what you will get is a lot of information and guidance and um, uh, a platform to help you learn to make your own trading and uh, investment decisions without relying on the recommendation of others but um using resources and information in, a, in an unbiased format that people have put together for you yeah that's really cool um the, uh, we've spoken about this separately before like the the requirement of uh, the necessity for there to be just a, a group of people or types of information which 
goes just slightly above and beyond writing a tweet or writing a thread, which then gets lost in a sea of other things and and for which there's basically no accountability because no one's ever going to be able to find it either for people to to sort of put their name and their reputation on something and just stamp it publish it slightly more formally i think is is kind of indicative of the intent right like you're not hiding behind anything you're putting it out there publishing it properly and i think the continued or the renewed success because obviously it went down initially after when you were trying the, the other the ip stuff first but the fact that it's rallied so much since then must be very, very pleasing to you guys. Yeah, it is. Like it was one. It was the big black mark for us last year. It was something we were getting lambasted for and fighting for. And um, it must you know, feel like, so is... good now that it's come. Like, yeah, because you because you'd been successful in your own individual trades, right? But yeah. then you'd had this token which you'd essentially released, and it hadn't done very well so i guess it was always something someone could have poked at you 100 percent, and you know like you live in a world where there are there are things that get branded as cash grabs there are things that are rug pulls there are things that are slow rugs and i think people thought we were headed down the slow rug route and mm. that was that was never our intention it was just like we just had to find something that worked you know we started out we made so many mistakes when we did it and it was you know, this is july last year this is like right at the beginning of like profile picture mania so you know, we, no one really knew what they were doing, but um, and there are a lot of a lot of projects from then that are now zero. But I was just like, oh yeah, it's definitely not, loads and loads. There's a ton of them, and it's not like we're not like we're ambitious people, and we don't like to fail, and we also like to do right by people, and we just had to figure out the right thing to do. We had to find the time to do it. You know, we were both we both went back to working full time um for a short period last year which meant we didn't have time to spend on dj and so you know when we quit our jobs in december and january the first i was like this is the first thing let's just let's just make this work like we're both we're both um we both believe in ourselves let's just find a way to make it work and so it is like it's nice to see that it's done well um it's nice to prove people wrong you know it's nice to prove people who pass judgment on your character it's nice to prove them wrong um and uh i like uh, you know, I like the fact that we're not focused on the floor price, but I like to see that that is a, a measure of success, I guess. And it's nice to see it up because it means people are now wanting to be part of that community. And, you know, all I told Mando and, and what Mando told me is like, all we need to do is just like every single person who owns a DGEN or owns DGENs, they should just feel like I just need to own at least one DGEN so I have access to this community and I'll never sell it because I get so much value from this community. And that's all we need to focus on. Like, let's focus on the value part of it. And if we do that, then our number of unique holders will go up and then the, the price of it will go up naturally. And people will be like, look, I don't want to sell this because then I'm going to lose out on all this value that I'm getting from owning it. And, um, you know, that's that was our idea. That's kind of been our, our focus and that will continue to be, to be our focus more than, uh, you know, more than the floor price. Yeah, that's really, it's really important, I guess, in this space to just, have something to laser focus on because there's too much there's so much noise and so many distractions and you know the 24 7 news cycle of twitter with various people sharing their opinions on everything all the time i suspect is very very taxing and so to be able to just focus on like okay let's just make sure this gets done in this particular way i think would be really helpful how did you um 
this is something I've thought about a lot after I spoke to Mando a while ago. And he specifically uh, said to me that, well, he, he was just sort of saying that the fact that you two were doing it together helped like a hundred X, like to, to have someone that you kind of knew from beforehand who you were collaborating with uh, specifically with a particular goal in mind really, really helped. And that's something that I had struggled with separately. And I think lots of people do as they attack this world and space solo like behind the screen talking to anonymous people all the time what do you think about the value of that collaboration and yeah what's its importance could you have done it without it uh yeah look it's honestly it's meant um it's everything really like there's no way i would have been as successful um or maybe even had any success without mando and I hope he's saying say the same thing about me. I don't know. Um, no, we'll find out. I'm interviewing him <laughs> soon as well. He'll probably say, um, "No, nah, not at all." It's yeah. all me. But it's funny when we used to when we used to work at Barclays. Um, our the the guy that was running the whole the whole of the trading team. He used to he used to say this phrase: "One plus one equals three, which is like we used to find mm. it super corny and super cringe. Then I still kind of find <laughs> it cringe, but it is true. It's like there are, there are so many synergies between us. Um, it allows you to divide your workload, you know, divide and conquer. We can do more things at the same time in a shorter period of time. Um, I think we have extremely complementary skill sets. Um, uh, you know, like we, we're good at stopping each other when one of us is going wrong. Like I get hot-headed, hot-headed on Twitter very often. He's very level-headed and, and is quick to, to calm me down. Um, you know, he loves like, uh he gets very excited at prospects and ideas and you know um and the hype and i think i'm good at being like you know let's just play the long game let's slow things down there's no rush here and um we have i think one thing is we have very similar trading and investment styles where and this was the same when we were when we used to be traders like we would take very large concentrated risk bets and not be diversified and rather being rather being diversified with that too we really believe in this one thing let's just put all our chips on it and um because we back ourselves to be right and then we'll we'll see it through to the end game and um we're both like that so that's kind of just meant like in the way that we've invested um we've just been like turbo concentrated and turbo charged on, on, on specific things and i like that about us i think that's different about us i think like everyone can come in and be like okay i'm just gonna buy you know 25 different nft projects and if the whole nft month goes up i make money if the whole nft month goes down i'll lose money but you know, there's no fun or there's no extra value in that. And I think, um, you know, we're both natural risk takers and we both want to come in and like um, uh, take concentrated bets. And that's how we've always done it. That's how we always will do it. But it's nice to have someone to do that alongside with because you're in the same boat and, you, you know, you have good days and bad days. Like um, we have like, we have quite a big portfolio and we've had days where it's like, the whole thing's down like multiple million dollars and you know it's nice to it's nice to have someone to talk to and be like oh yeah that was kind of shit wasn't it um i think i'm probably more helpful to mando than he is to me on, on those days because i don't i'm a bit more um numb to those moves or I, I just don't really care as much whereas i think he is a bit more receptive to it um uh, and it's pretty funny like when we when we go through and value it like every time i i'm a bit weird but like i kind of how often do you do it 
we do it sporadically. We, we start off by doing it once a week. Now we do it sporadically. Um, I'd be too scared um, to do it, man. Like if it's just <laughs> gone down, like I don't want to know. So I'm, I'm a bit weird in that, like I kind of enjoy like marking stuff down and seeing how much money I've lost. And so whenever we have like a big down day, I'm like, oh, let's revalue this and like see how much really? we lost. Yeah. And man knows like the exact opposite. Like when we have like a really good day, it's like, oh, let's mark it. It's like, see how much we made. I think it's probably the more, he's probably the more normal one there than, than I am. But um, yeah. yeah, so it's been like, honestly, it's been like, I, I think I'm like, we're both extremely fortunate because I've known him for 10 years. We worked together and he's one of my best friends. Um, and not only that, like we, when you work on the trading floor, you literally sit side by side, like there's like 10 centimeters apart in between us and you work 10 hours a day five days a week next to each other on the trading floor and then you're probably out like two or three nights a week seeing clients and stuff so you know we were spent there was no there was no like one person I spent more of my time with the Mando for mm. the best part of like five or six years before I moved to New York and then a bit more when I came back but it's just like I knew um like we were mates we we're very good friends and I knew I could work with him, you know, like I already know that I can spend basically like 80% of my life with him. So um, I don't know, we're just like very fortunate that we both entered this NFT space. We both saw the same opportunity sets. We both had the same um, risk appetite for it, the same liquidity for it. And um, I just think that's another thing that's given us a really um, unique upper hand in the space. Like I think we're we're two very capable people, but we also work extremely well together and we have, a level of trust which i think is very hard to come by um so yeah it's to answer your original question i think it's really made the world difference for me so i mean i guess you're just unbelievably fortunate in that respect to have someone who just came in at the same time doing all the same thing at the same time was up to the, was interested in the same stuff what do you think now though to try to because i think lots of people are not in that position like they have lots of friends who either have no idea about what's going on no one understands what they're doing if you try to talk about this like the the normal people in their life just have basically have no idea what's going on how do you think about the people who you collaborate with in future and the people who you make agreements with what sort of what makes you comfortable to 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 proceed with people moving forward how do you go about it yeah it's um it's tough it's something that i have a very tough time with i think we're like ultra careful and curated about how we strike up partnerships and agreements and collaborations with other people um as it stands like we don't really have any partnerships with anyone that we don't know in real life really like you know we've hired we've got analysts writing reports for for dgens they're all people that we know very well in real life and we've we've taken the option of we've we made the decision of like not getting people um, within the Web3 community, even though we've had a lot of people reach out for it. And mm. I think in terms of um, agreements and structures and, and stuff, uh, collaborations to, to that level, we would be it would be people that we either already know in real life or people we've met in real life and spent a lot of time with. And we're going to be very careful about how we approach those things because, um, look, I know I get it, like everything can now be online you can be anonymous you can trust anonymous people and this kind of stuff i completely get that but you know at the core of it i'm still i think i'm still pretty old school in that like if i'm going to be in business with someone or collaborate with someone i want to meet them like i want to have a drink with them or i want to um spend time with them and like know who they are because um 
you know, there's with these things, there's a lot of money at stake, there's reputation at stake. Um, uh, there's other people at stake, you know, other people are putting their money in you. So you have to be very, very careful um, because it's not just like, it's not your own, um, it's not myself who would get hurt. There's there's a lot of people um, who could get hurt from making a wrong decision like that. So I think we're we're very, very careful about that. We haven't really collaborated with anyone in any meaningful way yet. And uh, I'm not sure we will. I mean, I guess we're involved in Rug Radio, um, but, you know, that's that's by virtue of we bought a bunch of NFTs, we host shows on it, and we've met Farouk in real life plenty of times. And I think, um, you know, he will get, as you get to a certain size of following, you inevitably will will um, uh, receive some hate. But um, he's someone who I think has very genuine intentions, and that's shown by his his big every, every when everyone gets a certain amount level of following they find a, they try and find a way to monetize it and um there's obviously been like crappy influencer projects and all that kind of stuff and he used his following to build a decentralized media platform which he doesn't really have any ownership of beyond like his tokens that has a external council governing it um of which uh 80 of the proceeds went to either tax or the dow and the rest of it to pay the team so like he used his platform to do something where he didn't really even make any money out of it. And it's designed for education and look, people make mistakes. They all have their things. But for me, he's used his big chip on doing something to benefit the community and help people, which is very web three friendly. And that's what he's used his big chip on. And I think that says a lot about um, his character. And that's why, you know, we felt comfortable getting involved in rug radio and, and being more proactive in it and being part of the Dow council being host, because, that thing is designed to be decentralized to help people with the right intentions. And um, uh, that's a long-term vision that we really believe in. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like it's clearly something that has been designed to be built out over time with a lasting commitment to something bigger than an individual's own immediate, uh, immediate benefit. Um, You mentioned, you know, once you get to a certain number following there'll always be there'll always be criticism right like once you get to a certain stage how have you how's your experience of the space changed as you've become more successful and is it still as fun as the beginning i think it's um it's definitely still as fun i think as you gain a larger following i think you have to be really careful about what you write and you have to be cognizant of the things you write. And, um, you know, when I didn't have m- very many followers, I would, I'd be like, Hey, like, I love this project. I think it's going higher or, um, X, Y, Z, this is, here's a thread on why I bought this today. And you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Then as you get more of a following, I don't think, I think you have to be careful about that stuff. You know, like if you have conviction on something and you intend to hold it for a very long time, then I think it's fine to write, you know, write those threads as long as you're giving reasons as to why, if you're like, I'm buying a bunch of this and I'm going to tell you the reasons why I like it. And then it goes up, then I'm going to sell it. That's not right because whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, you have just monetized your following. Um, Mm. And I don't, I definitely don't believe in that. So I've definitely been like way more like cognizant and cautious of what I say um, about certain projects. Um, uh and like if i'm buying something to flip it i probably won't even tweet about it anymore um maybe i'll post a picture yeah. of it or whatever but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pump it um and to be honest i've just i've really really like stopped buying to flip things 
um, because I don't, you know, I just haven't had time recently. And, you know, if I really like something, then it's like, well, I better have like damn well done my work on it and put, put out like some good facts as to why I like it and good rationale. And, you know, I have to be convicted that I'm going to hold it for um, a lengthy period of time. And mm. this year I've written about rug radio and we haven't, we, we bought 200 NFTs. We haven't sold a single one. We haven't sold a single bit of rug and we intend on holding that for a long period of time because it's something that we acknowledge is going to, is going to take a lot of time to build and grow. Um, when we write about the apes last year, like we still haven't sold any apes. The only thing we sold in that complex was, was ape coin because that was the most liquid way to monetize it without yeah. really, um, you know, affecting the market. So, um, so far when we've, when we put out those big threads and big thought processes, we've been pretty good at, um, um, sticking to our guns on them. And that's something I think you have to be careful about with regard to following. Um, because even if you tweet something and you don't intend for people to follow you, they will, like some people inevitably will, and they'll lose money. And I think you have to be careful about that. Yeah, that's definitely one of the difficulties I think of, uh, increasing the following or I imagine so. Um, that's really cool. We, we said, I really wanted to speak to you about your art. So we have to get onto that before the hour is up. Um, so, I mean, we've spoken about all sorts of stuff, trading, um, investment, collecting all this stuff. That was obviously a huge part of your, your last year. But in addition to that, you've established yourself as a very talented and successful artist in your own right. First, like, how how did that happen? Yeah, it's um, it's pretty. It's feels pretty surreal to be honest with you. I think um, the best way to explain it is I actually when I was younger, when I was a teenager, from the ages of like thirteen to eighteen, I basically spent all my time online. Like I was basically an online degen without knowing I was and like I taught myself how to code um I did a lot of digital art like I had a deviant art account um I spent my time like on online forums within art communities like I learned how to like skin online forums and I used to like um make skins for people and, and all, all that kind of stuff yeah. um cool. which is like a, it's like a hybrid between like coding and, and knowing how to um uh, knowing graphic design so like I just I used to do all that stuff as a as a teenager and it was just like a genuine interest or curiosity or like hobby of mine I used to love doing it and you know then when I turned 18 I went to university and um whatever like I was just like I need to think of a, an actual job where I can actually earn money from um and pursue a career so I basically just stopped doing it and um you know just fizzled out of of that world so when Mando mentioned NFTs to me and I got back into it in February last year, my, my instant reaction was like, wow, this is like all the stuff I used to do. Like maybe I should create some art and see if I can sell it. And just like it's for anyone really, like anyone, when anyone first hears about NFTs and they hear about where this stuff is selling for like, oh, can I come in and sell it and make money out of it? Hmm. Um, and like <laughs> I think I made like two or three things that I minted like very early, which is in a complete different style to my art now just kind of like as a joke or just to see like what the reception was and when I looked through the art work of other people I was like wow people are just like there is so much talent in photography and digital arts 3d art like I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as any of these people plus I haven't done it for like the last 10-15 years so I was like okay there's no 
I, I can't just come in here and make money. I mean, just stick to like the trading and investing and that kind of stuff. Um, and then in October last year, I had just returned. I had some time off work last year. I just returned back to the, the trading floor and, um, you know, like I was in a morning meeting and I was just like finding it really boring, finding it pretty dull. You know, I was like, all I can think about is NFTs. Like I'm just not interested in traditional finance much anymore. So, you know, I just started doodling stuff on my, uh, on my, um, on my notepad and I created this guy, which is kind of like, I guess it was like kind of meant to be me. I had like a GM thing on his, on his hoodie. It was like, it looked like a skull. Um, and, uh, I actually still have that. I have that, that that copy, which is the first thing I drew of that guy. So it would be Me interesting. Too. Maybe I should, maybe I should like sell the physical <laughs> at some point. But yeah, I then I then made an NFT out of it in like October last year. I put it on foundation. Someone actually bought it. They paid half an ETH for it, and I was like, I was like, oh wow, it's pretty insane. Um, then I made another one, and someone paid a quarter of an ETH for it. And then I was like, okay, well maybe this isn't really it. I'm not going to be an art. Like, I'm not going to be a successful artist. I'm not, this isn't going to take off, but I just really enjoy doing it. And, um, as long as people like what they're buying, then, you know, I'm happy to, to just sell it. But then, you know, the next one sold for like one ETH, the next one sold for like, uh, one and a half ETH and one sold for like three ETH. And then come, uh, you know, come January, February, like, I think I had like a four ETH sell. And I think, I think by then I'd learned, lot more about how to do it like i learned how to animate um uh like i kind of like developed my own draw i felt like i developed my own drawing style the pieces were like autobiographical i think people could relate to them because there's a lot like stuff about finance stuff about like nft trading like being a degenerate all that kind of stuff so i think they were kind of relatable and um you know it's I had a 6. definitely 9. like very self-referential to the world yeah to, to our experience in the last year for example like people that, can see, almost see themselves in it that's exactly right. And that's all like, um, that's all I've been trying to encapsulate. And I'm just trying to be like, this is a sign of the times. This is a sign of the times. Like that's what I've, I've been trying to, well, this is the sign of a certain time. And that's always what I'm trying to portray in each picture. This is like, just captures a moment in time or captures like a certain vibe or a certain feeling. And um, yeah, like I think, I think my pieces have got a lot better as the price has gone up for them because I've spent more time on them, learned a lot more, like kind of but grown into my technique a little bit more and i'm still like i have to pinch myself over it over some of the sales and, and how popular it's become because it is something that i genuinely really enjoy doing and it's the one thing in this entire space that like when i sit down with my ipad and i start drawing stuff it's like it feels pure you know like there's no distractions and nothing i'm just like no one's telling me what to do or anything like that or you know i'm not held to anyone i'm not having to like be careful about what i say or anything like that. i'm just drawing whatever i want to draw and mm um it feels really good that people actually want to own that you know they, they want to purchase it and buy it and um it's the one thing i'm like super excited about this year and um yeah again like it's just another thing that i'm like extremely grateful for yeah that's really awesome like to be liberated through the art is well it just it sounds like given all the other constraints that we operate under all that normal work operates under whether that's your, you know a professional job or even the nft constraints where you're tied because there's no there's no real freedom is there like okay fine you quit your job and go web3 full time so okay well you're tied to twitter now all the time yeah you're tied to discord all the time so i suspect having this avenue this artistic avenue is something that's really 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 enjoyable um 
you wrote this thread on the 30th of March 2022, which I thought was really, really good. Um, I suspect some people, just based on my various conversations and ju- gauging sentiment from artists, might not like it because it focuses on what you believe to be like a success. A, a, it's not necessarily a model for success because it's not saying this is what you must do to be successful, but it's the way that you think about being successful, how you've approached some of your art and the collections that have sprung out from it. What, what would you, how would you summarize that kind of thought process? Yeah. So look, I think um, the important people, some artists and let's say crypto artists or NFT creators kind of do very well. Some don't. And people might be like, Oh, this person's art so good. Like why won't anyone buy it? And some people are like, why is anyone buying this thing? And I think for me, and there's a lot of like traditional artists that come in, don't really understand NFTs. So there's a lot of NFT people that don't understand traditional art. But I think the important thing to remember is like, as things stand, the NFT market in terms of collectors, the NFT collector base is not the traditional art collector base. So, when a traditional art collector buys a piece of art, they buy it probably because they like it. They probably buy it for bragging rights. They may have an ambition to sell it on in the future, but you know most people don't. Like if you buy a, a painting for your home, you're not really like, oh, like what can I flip this for? And you know, in, in a few weeks, you're like you're buying a painting for your home to to buy it, so it looks nice in your home, right? Um, and that's not what the NFT market is. People are buying, like, yes, it's nice to own some NFTs, but let's be real, like a very small part of the market are really truly buying things to collect. NFT collectors are buying things to flip or they're buying things to make money. Like, everyone's here to make money. That's what's attracted so many people into this market. The the fact that people are making a load of money doing it. I know it's really enjoyable. I know it's fun, but if there was no monetization of this, the market would be like a fraction of the size it is now. Do you know what I mean? And some yeah. of these concepts and stuff, they've been like online art communities have been around for, for years. Like I was in, involved in them before, but they were, they were far smaller because there was no monetization of it. And so that's one of the, the things that's changed. So I think like if you want to come in and you want to sell art and you're like, look, I'm a talented artist. My art is utility. My art is a roadmap. You're buying my art to enjoy my art, consume my art. Um, I have like completely agree. Like that is exactly what you should be doing well within your right as an artist. But if you don't, like, it seems to me like very few artists are able to get, like, huge success that way. And you will inevitably find collectors that appreciate your art are buying to collect uh, for the right reasons. And you can be very successful. Some people are very successful. Some of them, best crypto artists, that's all they do. And they're extremely successful. And they will continue to be. Um, But if you can, uh, you know, it's when you come in and you're just starting out, it's hard to, like how you differentiate yourself from everyone else, you know, like how do you get people's attention? And so the other thing I was like, well, why don't like, and I'm very interested in like this intersection of like web three and art. It's like, how do you get people's attention? What do NFT collectors actually want? They want to make money. So my line of thinking when I started like doing the additions and like the airdrops and that kind of stuff, I was just like, well, if I can create, rather than people just coming in and buying one of ones, if I make an addition and that addition will give you free stuff, then people are going to make money off my art and they're going to want to, they're going to want to own it. I'm going to build a community and they're going to like, they're going to feel like as an NFT collector, cool, I bought this thing at this price and then I've got all these free airdrops and now this thing's gone up in value. Like, um, 
you know, I love, like, I, I love the art even more now. Like, I love being in this community. Like, I love this guy. And I'm really loyal. I have this brand loyalty. And I think that's part, that is, like, the Web3 spirit. And I think that's what Yuga Labs has done very well because they've made their collectors so much money and so rich. They've fostered this amazing brand loyalty. And they're in this position now where it's like, it is like, it's not like I sell to you, you lose value, I take value, and there's one winner and one loser. It should be like, I sell to you and you buy from me and uh, I'm going to do my best to to make your investment a good one, make you money. And if I do that, then you do really well. And then I do really well because everyone's like, oh, wow, buying this guy's art um, makes you money. And that's been my angle. And look, like, um, like I have obviously, like I have a creative angle and I really... Um, love getting sucked into the art and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I love getting lost in it, but I'm also very like um, business minded and like mathematically minded. And that's how I think like, like I'll draw creatively, but I'll think technically and mathematically. And it's like, cool. Like, let me do this for, they'll get this many airdrops and this at this price and they'll make money on this and they'll be the next thing. And, and that's how I, that's how I've approached with selling my art because like, I'm not like, let's be honest. I'm not a pure artist. I don't have an art background or, anything like that i really enjoy creating things i really enjoy getting lost in my imagination and, and putting it on a canvas but that's not like i don't have a history in it but i have a history in this other stuff so why don't i just combine the two and um um try and make my collectors money like try and make them whether they want to flip it if they want to hold it whatever it is like try and make the money and i think that was one of the things that was successful for me because it able it was it enabled me to build a community around my art and also just meet people, make friends. Like I made a lot, I'm good friends, like a lot of my collectors now. And um, we just have like a really cool community, but it's just like, um, I just have this like core group of early supporters that got in and they made money on it. And now they get, you know, you get, you get these monthly airdrops, whatever it is. And it just makes it more, you know, add some gamification and that kind of stuff. It makes it more exciting. It gives you, it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm not just buying this art. I'm going to put it in my room. So like, I'm buying this art. And it's like, what's going to come next month? Or like, what's this mm. thing, this what turns it's going to take and just making it interesting, you know, and I'm not saying artists have to do that to be successful. Like by no means am I pushing that message. I'm not saying art has to have other utility away from the art itself. I'm not pushing that message. I'm not saying art has to have a roadmap. I'm not pushing that message. I'm just saying this is a, a strategy that I found successful that I enjoy doing that I think is an acceptable strategy within the NFT market. And if it's as an artist, if you haven't had success just selling your art for art, and it's something that you're interested in exploring, then it's definitely worth it because it's something that I think is better at capturing the attention of NFT collectors. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with, with all of that. I think there's a reluctance from some of the artists who, and again, as you, as you rightly say, it's completely fine to just do art for art but as you say there's this option where it's like if you were if you have been unsuccessful up to this point there might be this other alternative but even if you don't even if you don't like the idea of airdrops and making things to look forward to i still think there's a point to be made about being online and being more present because i think one of the things i've heard from artists is or the sort of line that well if the, the more time you spend on twitter or in discord or wherever then the less time you have to, time to create, right? And so the less time you have to create, the less time you have to make the product as good as it can be. And I do understand that. But as you say, when you're starting out, you said, how are you going to get people's attention? And we're online all of the time. Uh, so the best way to get people's attention is to have 
have a following, have uh, an engaged following and engage with people. And if it is the case that in this space we say, okay, screw the middleman, there should be no one taking, you know, 20, 30, 50%, like a traditional gallery to do that client relationship for you. And if you're going to take all of it, then you're going to have to find either someone, sometime your own, or employ people to do that outreach, right? To create, to create your brand, to put you in front of people. Because I think there's, there's just a bit of naivety at the moment. And to be fair, some artists get it like completely. They, 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 they understand that, look, well, if I'm going to take 90% of this, then I have to do 90% of the work. And you know, maybe creating the art is 50% of the work. And 40% of the work of getting that art piece sold is engaging with people, you know, X amount of hours per day on Twitter, and, but not actually trying to sell the art, <laughs> like just engaging naturally, organically. And then at some point, someone's going someone's gonna to buy it and get to know you and f- like not just your art, but you as the person. Because I think at least a proportion of your investors, yes, they enjoy the art and you definitely capture a piece of it's a sign of the times but it's a lot to do like it's a it's a a bet slash an indication of their support of you as an individual as well i think yeah i think that's right it's like look it's it's um it's selling your art the the, the selling your art the key word there is selling like it's a sales role right and you are a salesperson and being a salesperson involves developing and building relationships. Um, and that comes from being active in a community. And you know, I'm not very familiar with the traditional art world, but I'm sure that um, artists in that world are probably out there going to galleries, going to events, meeting and networking with people, meeting potential collectors, you know, like um, it's it probably, if you're a brand new artist, it's probably not enough just to produce art and hope someone buys it. And so um, in this world, in the NFT world, the equivalent is like engaging on Twitter, engaging on Discord. And look, this is a world where like everyone's trying to sell something and, um, you know, it can come across as like shilling or come across as annoying, whatever it is. And then the question is, well, how do I sell, how do I sell my stuff if I, if I, if, if marketing it is coming across as annoying, I think you, you hit the spot, um, really well there when you said, um, it's about engaging in the community and getting to know people and meet people without actually advertising or saying anything um and i think that's what like the artists that have done well um that did well in the last six months i think they were very good at like just being involved in the community without necessarily shilling or anything like that and then you're right it becomes more of like a wow this person is a really nice guy he does a lot for the community he engages he's a good thought leader wherever and um now buying his art is like this isn't just like some random guy showing me some art. This is like a bet on this guy becoming someone more prominent, whatever. And and I'm able to, um, you know, it's like we were talking earlier about like, you can bet on memes and culture through buying NFTs. And now you can buy, bet on people through buying their NFTs or their art. And um, it does like, I think that's one thing I would advise to people like who are coming in struggling to sell their art. And you don't want to go down like the whole, um, utility airdrop route and that kind of stuff, then it's just like understand, recognize and understand that you you can spend, if you spend six months just um, 
getting involved in the community, getting to know people, being part, being helpful, um, and you can build a following as a result of that. You will then have a much better platform to to sell your art on because people will want to uh, buy and invest in you as a person. And um, you know that that's what people don't understand. Like when people come in and say, "Oh, how did that guy sell that thing for so much?" It's like, well, and it looks shit. And it's like, well, look, like this guy's been been in the in nfts for two years and look at everything he's contributed and people are kind of like almost buying it out of respect from it's like i'm buying this piece of art that you've done because like i respect everything you've done for this you know for this community of this world and um you know as a as a newcomer if you can try and do that try and build things and and help people and be engaging and you know get to know people then you might find you have a better platform to sell your art from um six months or a year down the line because suddenly your offering is not just the art that you're offering it's like a, a collection of a piece of you yeah definitely that's a really smart way to look at it i think um so i'm conscious of the time i think we're hitting over an hour now um just a couple of questions to to round things off uh is coming into a period of excitement is there some things coming what are you able to say as to what we're able to look forward to on that after our previous conversation well not only just after our previous conversation but i think i have what did i get in the end was it regions or degen i think i've got three regions which are they're the same right like they're they're equal same utility yeah yeah okay so what, what can we look forward to yeah, so we're going to relaunch the whole thing in a few weeks because obviously we took a pivot this year. We we changed it from like this comic book thing to um, an NFT resources platform. Um, but, you know, we never really like launched it like that. And we just had some communication on Twitter and stuff. And we've kind of, we haven't really been marketing it very heavily. We've, we've been downplaying it quite a lot, but just providing information that we need. So we want to have a, a big relaunch of what it actually is that we're offering and what it actually is you get. Uh, being a part of that community um and alongside that we had um like a very good team we had we had night shift working on a new website for us so um you're gonna be able to like log into the website with your wallet that's going to give you access to all the nft reports that we've written um, we're going to build that portal to give you access to more to different things basically and um you know mando and i are also um part of the flips finance team as well so you know dgen is like fundamental research flips is like technical and quantitative uh, analysis so um there's some potential ideas we have down the line to um to uh, downstream some benefits to to gen from that platform and you know we have i think a really nice idea to rebrand it and make the structure more simple and you know like right now it's like dgens are these like random profile pictures and regens these random profile pictures and like they look completely different and what do they give me? And like, are they, are they the same? And people are asking the same things. It's just all confusing. It's a very convoluted structure. So we have an idea to kind of like rebrand it. It's still going to be called DGENs, but rebrand it, make the structure more simple in a way that I think is going to be um, more like in vogue and um, make it, make the marketing angle of it much more clearer. And um that's all going to happen within within a few weeks. And um, look, like right now, as it stands, uh, the Discord is fully gated, so you have to own a re- DGENs and regions to, to access it. You, can't, you can no longer access it. There's no public channels on it. And 
um, DGENs and regens, we've stated this publicly, they give you lifetime access to the platform. Like they were like the OG NFTs. They are the people that bought them originally. That will give you lifetime access to anything we do on that platform and build on that platform. And I know there are a lot of people who want to be a part of it and can't afford to buy a DJ now because they're like whatever, like 0 0.7 ETH, or whatever. And that's, that's now an expensive price point. We don't want to be exclusive to the point where pricing people out. So we will have um, some cheaper options for like temporary memberships, so maybe like a six month membership uh, to DJs um, uh, at a cheaper price point and you have to renew it every six months or whatever. And that won't give you access to the whole thing. It won't give you access to everything DGENs and regions give you right now, but it will give you like some kind of limited access, which is what you had before in the, in the public area that will allow you to get like the morning up, the daily updates I post every day, every day, um, you know, access to some discussion forums in the community um, and maybe some access to reports. I'm not really sure on that yet, um, but that structure is all going to be like way more clearer and way more understandable once we relaunch the whole thing. And once we have the new website and we have the new branding. Um, and yeah, the only thing I can say is like the fact that you get lifetime access to DGENs and regions. I think the idea for us is to make that lifetime access as valuable as possible. And that's what we said from the beginning. Like I remember when, when we called Yuga Labs in September last year, they told us, they were like, we just want to make every ape holder never want to ever sell their ape. We just want to like give them so much value that you just want to hold your ape forever. And we, we're not, look, I'm not saying we're going to be Yuga Labs, but um, we want to do the same thing with DJs. We just, we, just want, we just want like every person, like even as people sell out, they might own five DJs and they even have to sell it and they get down to one. I just want like every person to feel like I own one of these at least. I have to own at least one of them just to be a part of this community. Like I never want to sell one. I might own three or four or five and trade them around, but I'm always going to want to own one. And the number of supplies is quite low. There's 6,500 in total. So if we can just get 6,500 people of the 400,000 active wallets on OpenSea to just be like, I want to be in this community forever, um, which I don't think is a tall order, then I think, um, you know, I think the rest will, uh, uh, will take care of itself. That I think that ties, that leads into it leads quite nicely into my final question which is if that's the kind of goal to make people never want to sell um whatever it is whether, so you're talking about degens in this instance but also i suspect you kind of think of your art with a similar concept um if you had to give some a piece of advice to people entering now uh, or even people who are slightly more experienced and trying to learn from what you guys have achieved as a builder or creator, what would you advise in order to achieve that goal? I would say um, if you're a creator, if you're a builder, if you're trying to, if you're trying to come to this market, um, I think you have to understand that there is a lot to be, to be, earned and learned from playing the long game and i think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit you can come in and make a quick buck but then you'll only ever make a quick buck and you've you'll instantly ruin your reputation and it's extremely hard to bounce back from that and i think you have to recognize that we're in like we're at the birth of like we're at the birth of so many different things we're at the birth of like the digital renaissance we're at the birth of like technological change we're at the birth of like new like um consumer concepts like we're at the birth of so many different things and it's like the world is literally your oyster to come in and 
be entrepreneurial and build something like build something real you know have a good idea form a team and build it and there are so many people out there who have those ambitions and you know work together with people to, to build something good and take your time to do it because you know like people are going to build stuff right now that are going to be worth billions of dollars in the future and um you have the opportunity to do that with with just like a half decent idea but having the right approach like not going for the instant gratification of like the big money straight away like taking your time to build things taking time to understand what what, what web3 means and understand like how to get collectors or consumers on your side and understand the idea of a symbiotic relationship and um that's it like i just see a lot of people come in like you know shit post their way to becoming an influencer and then just do paid promos and it's like great like you haven't really built or created anything and you're not even really making that much money plus people will hate you and you're doing something that's not really that ethical even if you state it, it's kind of just like well um you know people you're you are having an impact and people losing money um and then it's not sustainable it's like i don't know like you can either go down that route or you can be like, okay let me just think of a good idea and work with some people to build it and if you want to raise money for a good idea like i'm telling you there is so much money that wants to be put to work here there's so much money that wants to be invested in good ideas and um you can raise capital like you can definitely raise money to, to, to if you have a good idea and build a good team you can you can raise money to do it so my advice is like come in like don't come in here and try and make a quick buck or you know just try and get clout to at, like to do paid promos and that kind of stuff like you're just you're just missing the big opportunity which is to come in here and like build something real and it doesn't have to be that hard or that complicated it doesn't even have to take that much time um but you just you know think of a good idea and people will respect you for it and you'll be able to um you'll be able to make money in other ways indirectly which is going to feel much more rewarding yeah i think that makes sense patience is pretty key at the moment and i think um i think what you guys have done with dgens is testament to that in the sense that you know you did something quite early quite quickly um but with patience and the effort that you guys put in i think um you've taken real strides there to to try to build something of significance which is which is noteworthy right like as you said we want to do things that are fun we want to do things which are interesting and would just tweeting about stuff and trading like it's just not sustainable is it like the the lifestyle that we lived last year maybe we're just trading writing stuff to try to pump it um it's not as enjoyable so i think what you guys are doing is really cool osf thank you so much for your time that was really really interesting love to chat we could have gone much longer i think but uh let's leave it there um if there is anywhere we can keep up with what you have going on what are the best spots yeah, sure. I think um, my Twitter account is probably the best source of information. It's OSF underscore NFT. Um, I upload all my art and have all the art links on, on my website. OSF.art is the website. And then, um, you know, to keep up with DGENs, just follow DGENs NFT on Twitter as well. Those are the best sources of information, I would say. Awesome, man. I'll share all that stuff when I cut this up and put it on Twitter. But thanks a lot, man. That was really fun. Sounds good. All right. Appreciate it, man. Take care. All right. Have a good one.